Welcome to Tilth Talk Radio. Today we'll be talking about wheat and alfalfa. In our spotlight, we'll look at a one lab acquiring another. Ag History Minute, we'll talk about Barbara McClintock. And we'll wrap things up with a cool beans that's corny and some current events. With me today are Bill Schombert. Hey, guys. Max Garvey. What's up, everybody? Todd Schombert. Hey to all the tilties out there. And I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilth Agronomy. So we were just talking beforehand. Ooh, ooh. A slap heard around the world. So was it real or was it was it a bit real? I think it was real. Todd thinks it it's a bit. I, I'm like 30%. Put your tinfoil hat on, Todd. It <laughs> 30% it could have been fake, but. Armadillo helmet, put it on. Real. You never know. These are actors, so they could they, they could, could fool us. Chris Rock's not that good of an actor. Eh, true. But Will Smith won later for being a really good actor, so <laughs> we who knows? He's good at acting, so he yeah. could do lots of things. Either way, it got a lot of attention. It's about the only thing anybody probably knows about the night. Couldn't, a, couldn't name any other winner except for the guy that slapped the presenter. Part of me wonders if these shows, and I... I despise these shows because it's like rich people fawning over each other. Yeah, yeah, I just hate these shows. They're useless. But like, if the ratings are down, like, oh, we got to do something to get people to watch or talk about it, you know. And maybe I'm just not in that world. Of, well, if that was their goal, they achieved it. Yeah. Yep, it was accomplished. I don't watch primetime TV much, so I guess maybe I'm not their target audience, but all these shows are dumb. I watch primetime TV. Rich people in their cable. Sunday night football, Monday night football, Thursday night football. You and everybody else in the world, because when you see the ratings of shows, it's a football game, football game, football game. I I just watched clips like after the fact, and I did think it was a bit at first when I saw like oh Will Smith slaps Chris Rock. Yeah, they must have did like something. So I watched it thinking it was gonna be like a funny bit, and then. You kind of still kind of think it does it is at first, but then when Will's like kind of like screaming at Chris Rock, then you're like, ah, okay, this seems a little bit more legit, like little profanity. Yep. Well, the big egg news of the week, though. Farm shows back. Farm shows back. WPS farm back, show, baby. How was it, Matt? You were you were in I did. I went, I went down uh, Wednesday and got to. To hang out with the folks over at Winnebago Land Conservation, talking about some of the demo farm stuff, and yeah, get to see a few people I knew, walk around the grounds a little bit. It was wet, but not. <laughs> I mean, it always is. The farm show, the weather is always crappy, but I was surprised for how much rain we were getting. It wasn't a big slop hole like I expected. I thought it'd be worse. Country USA and WPS Farm Show, <laughs> yeah. crappy weather. Yeah, why Oshkosh is the place to go when it, <laughs> big events there always get crappy weather and it's usually r- results in giant mud holes. Well, they're, they're like, the entrances are like across the road from each other too. That's the best part. Yeah. Yep. R.I.P. Kusa. But yeah. <laughs> it's super dead. <laughs> it is. Yeah, nails in that coffin. Did you have a good booth, good location? Yeah, I mean, we... The traffic was pretty steady. Usually Wednesday is the bigger, bigger, Big busier day. Yep. Um, From what I had heard, Tuesday because it was better weather was a bigger day. A lot of yeah. guys. Well, and being the day. first show in like three years, yeah. it's probably a little more excitement were, to get yeah, there. Yeah. Kind of hoping to 
to get back at it, get out of the house a little bit, see some stuff. So I'll be honest. I thought trade shows. Like gonna, I thought we like COVID would just destroy trade shows. Yeah, like it would just be like, well, now we do this type of business on the internet, and it's done this way, and like they are back even more than what they were before. I was talking to some farmers that went down and they had like questions. They didn't even know who to ask. You know, those questions are like, ah, I got to find this out, but like, I don't even know where to start. Oh, like, like if you got to look online or call somebody. Kind of. And yeah. Yeah. They, they're like, Oh, we're going to the trade show. And they found, yeah, some dealer with something that knew the answer to it. So it was like, yeah, it's still a very good method to learn new things new technologies and get questions answered that you could never, yeah, they, they just didn't even know where to start, I feel like is the right way to say it. What'd you have for lunch, Matt? Did you get a, did you get a buffalo burger? Were they selling buffalo they burgers? They were selling buffalo burgers. Sweet. Saw uh, the neighbor over here running yep. around, him and one of his kids, uh, with the buffalo burgers, but shout out Mike Moss. <clears throat> I don't know if he listens, but... <laughs> And I think Jacob is that the Jacob yep, usually does yeah, a lot. younger one. Yeah. Yep. So, um, no, it was yeah, it was good. They had, we were right around the corner from Simon's Cheese, which was cool. So, so hammered the curds there for a couple yeah, days. Yeah, there was plenty of uh, opportunities there. One thing they um, talking to some other people, they didn't have like the exhibitor lounges this year, oh. where like with the soda and cookies and stuff, and exhibitors were down a little bit. It's like I've heard in general, and this is just talking to people that run more than just say this shows it's all like at 80 percent like the exhibitors are at like 80 percent of normal but then the people also seem to be like in that still a lot because we're not sure after covid how it's going to be but in that 80 percent number so it'd be interesting what their final headcount was especially because wednesday thursday not as good of weather for the farm show and thursday was miserable thursday morning was awful yeah yeah, no, I, I can't only imagine what Thursday would have been like, but it was it was nice because when it got down there, it wasn't raining anymore. Like, we'd gotten some stuff in the morning. Like, Wednesday morning was all right till, like, noon or one. Then it started kind of misting and doing... It was like the... Just kind of the crappy spring. Like, I wish it was just raining and get over with, not, like, right. hang around and be <laughs> this kind of piddly crap all day, but... We we were a little busier this year, and i i missed uh, I missed the farm show a little bit. Like last year, I didn't miss it because it well, didn't exist. But like this year, knowing that it was going on and I wasn't there, I kind of missed it a little bit. Well, we'll have to sign up next year, and you can go in yep. three days. Ooh, I don't know if I can do three days. <laughs> That's the part with exhibiting. Is yeah, for one day, great. More than that, like it's a lot. Like guys that go to trade shows all the time. Like, that's, that's all they do oh, all winter. Yeah. Man, like that is a different breed of person that can. Yeah, just sit at that booth and talk to everybody. And <laughs> I'll go. I'll go back if we get uh, if we get pizza cutters to give away. Pizza um, cutters, p- pizza cutters. That's your thing. I'll tell you what. There is a certain company that I see every year at the uh, at Egg Lime usually, and I get a pizza cutter from them because I am pizza cutter man. Really, pizza cutters. Was it a swag up, Matt, or was it about the same? Um, from what I saw, it seemed like the they were the usual the guys walking around with like the. The peak sticks or the yard sticks yeah. and stuff that you you get, and but there wasn't like a built-up um, COVID swag amount that no, they had inventory to get rid of. Kids had the squishy cows. Um, Anybody doing five-gallon pails? Agri-pure. I didn't see any five-gallon pails walking around, 
but um, Agapure did like a protein powder thing they had. Ooh. They were giving away, I guess. And Ooh. Like for humans to drink or for... Yes. I don't, okay. Yeah. No, no, we're going to... Was it like a milk replacer? Muscle milk for cows now. They were giving out, they were giving out like little like sandwich bags of milk replacer. <laughs> we want to get those bovines jacked. <laughs> Make extra milk for us. Yeah. Hoping to breed in a uh, six-pack udder. So, you know, six teeth and we'll <laughs> have to... Yeah, there. Yeah, still the bags. Like people walking around with the cloth bags from different places, filling them up with stuff. So oh. the candy, you know, everybody had the candy. I had a friend who was exhibiting at the farm show. Exhibiting, right? That's yeah. what you'd yep. say. Yep. And I, he asked where we were, and I told him, you know, we weren't going to be there this year. And then I asked, so are you guys giving away uh, free pens or free hats? What's your what's your giveaway? And he said they were giving away water bottles. So Ooh. they had a big change up this year. They went they went water bottle. But free pen, free hat, that's usually the go-to. Or can koozies, that's the other one. Can koozies. Yeah, can koozies yeah. is a big one. I got a lot of can koozies and a lot of pens. Notepads, too. With the Do you pens. get different qualities of can koozies at those kinds of shows? Yes. Would you like me to go through that? No, I just... <laughs> I'm, I'm, the, the cost... You're just thinking as an exhibitor, the cost of that. Like, you could go all out or, or do you... Do you look at a, the company different if they're just these cheap things? I don't know. Max, did you ever exhibit there with us when we had the Varus? Yes. Because that was always... Yeah, that so, was the draw. So for listeners, the Varus is like... I repainted a, the Varus for the farm show. Okay, yeah. It's like a little disc-looking thing that puts electricity through the soil to map it. And it doesn't... <laughs> People, people basically just come up to us and be like, "What, what, what is, is this? that? Yeah. I like you, your food plot, Dad. Yeah, right. Like you, and it. Where does the seed go for this green drill? <laughs> yeah. It was basically just having something there to get this goofy looking thing, so people would come ask like, "What is this?" And then you'd you'd have them there, and you can explain it, and then they would just be like, "Okay, I didn't want to know that, but <laughs> I don't need it." <laughs> right. that's, that's one thing I don't <laughs> miss about the farm show is oh. the last day trying to get that thing out of there. Yes. And you're competing with everybody else who wants just wants to get out of there Thursday. I don't miss washing it before we went because I would have to wash yeah, it like because it's cold. The last week of March, I'd be outside washing that thing, and it was so cold. And then you hope it's not bad weather trying to get it there and yep. making it dirty again. Yep, which it usually was, so it didn't really matter. And with that machine, you can't like just you know because they have companies down there will power wash things once you get on site, right? Yeah, you that would. you can't do that, right? Because it's Cause electric or electronic. You have to. You had to be a little more kind of kind of hand washed yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. You so, wouldn't want to get water in places where you don't really need it. But yeah, so it was interesting. It was nice. Nice that it's back. So hopefully, a few of our listeners get to go out and check that out. You guys ready to talk some wheat and alfalfa? Yes. Wheat. Let's go. Let's do it. So this is not an April Fool's joke. <laughs> That the wheat and alfalfa look, looks br- like I've been hearing all different colors of the Crayola spectrum being described. It, it's not just yellow or brown anymore. It's like calf scours. Yeah, the, brown. It is good you brought that up, though, Todd. This isn't an April Fool's joke because if any of you know our host, Matt, knows that <laughs> at any given point today, you got to watch your back because there's like, going to be. I blocked his number for today. <laughs> it's my Christmas. <laughs> it is. It is, especially one one listener out there knows it's his Christmas. Yes, he's been the subject of a few 
different ones. So it is important you say that we are for reals today. 100% for real. Sorry, Todd. To all the, all the, yes, color all the colors of the spectrum are being used to describe what you see from the road and, you know, because it isn't brown. It's odd out there. It's not brown. It's not yellow. It's kind of this in-between bronze look. Amber waves of green, yeah. some would say. <laughs> it's amber. We, we <laughs> don't want soon. It. Yes. soon for that. We want it amber in, like, August, not Yeah, July in, and August, yes. not, not now. So Max and I did a lot of looking of, of trying to look at the wheat, look at what what kind of caused it to maybe look this a little bit of different coming out of winter or is this just normal and um a couple things seem to pop up to the top uh the first one's being just the amount of wind and being wind blown and just think of how many windy days we had this winter without snow well yeah i was just gonna say especially like you get south of highway 29 the snow cover just it was, it was way different than north of it, so there's a lot of days where we had zero snow. And even south of Appleton, you really didn't, they didn't have the snow we had even, so. And and we talk, like, plants don't know wind chill, right? Like, they don't know the difference between zero and negative five with the wind chill. They do know wind, though. That is still tissue that's exposed to the wind. So just like you or I going snowmobiling and we leave a little spot open or... I don't know when do you guys get windburn. That's when I get it the most. But hey, yeah. didn't you get like one of your spots get frostbit on your face? Not frostbite, but you just get wind. You get yeah, like no, windburn. It's, it's a real like it's like sunburn, but it's just from wind, mm-hmm. and it does not feel good. So I can't imagine wheat enjoys it all that much either. So yes, it was like you said the the wheat has been snowmobiling without the proper face protection all this winter. It did not have the face shield of the snow to stop it. And I know in, um, I was reading some stuff about like in Kansas, you know, they're going through some of the same thing. And they said the big storms that we had in December, if you guys remember like the ice storm we had here, that was part of like a hurricane thing and all that stuff. Anyway, they said in Kansas, the wind just like ripped the wheat, like just shredded it. Like, Mm. like it looked like hail, but it was just the wind that strong sustained for that winter Draco. Yes. (laughs) Well, we've seen that in like corn and stuff too, where you're like, Oh, do we get hail? And sometimes it's just the wind Mm. was that. Or the rain comes so hard that it starts doing what, What's the struggle with this is the tissue that is there is going to die any. You know, it's, it makes sense yeah. to be brown. So it's not... That's been a tricky part, too, is trying to find any research of showing what this really means going forward. And what it really means going forward is we don't know yet because the, the, the tissue does die and is kind of sandblasted. But I think it does go back more so than we think to that November, December time is... When the wheat was still going dormant, it was getting pushed around pretty bad too. And yeah. then, oh, yeah. and in the winter, it didn't get a break. So, you bring up another good point, especially out west, is being sandblasted. Is that's the other thing? Is um, we have seen enough snurt around our area where it could have kind of got soil blasted a little bit. But you go out west, and when you got little snow cover and strong winds, and you know it's just getting sort of sandblasted like you wouldn't believe, and just getting torn apart. Yeah, nobody likes to be in the back end of the sandblaster. It's it's not fun. I remember in the central sands a few times getting the dust devils whipping up while you're trying to soil sample. Yep. And, I mean, hurts my face, let alone what it does to plant tissue. And then Matt and I were, and Max and I were trying to look up what else could be part of it. And one of the things we found but was hard to find any specifics was 
when you get sandblasting, you can actually get static electricity. So those grains of sure, all the sand create friction, which would create electricity, which, you know, at that soil surface could actually electrocute the tissue. And we have found that it sort of is a thing. It can happen. But we didn't find much research on what it means or what it'll do. But it, it part of this bronze look literally could be that it got fried from just sort of that that interaction. So be interesting to sort of see what that does. And then the last one, Max, I want you to talk about this one because I think this is important. But Max thought of the dehydrated of just how dry we were. Sure. And yeah, you know what your lawn looks like in August when we don't get a rain for a couple of days or a couple of weeks, I guess. It's the same thing happening in our wheat, right? We had a drier fall. We've had a super dry winter. There just isn't any moisture out there for it to work with, right? And, and recently it's got, I mean, re, you know. Yeah, the last, last week. couple, two weeks we've gotten more rain. But it hasn't been rains, too, either that soaked in well is, you know, and just sort of are that going to rehydrate it yet. But hopefully they will help rehydrate it as the frost starts coming out and it starts waking up. So right, we're in a D2. I mean, right? We're in a D2 drought. Yep. We probably won't be after. We're slowly no, coming out this, of it in yeah. like a normal spring kind of look. And actually, if you look at the, which could be a good thing for us, is the the kind of monthly forecast for April shows above normal precipitation, which isn't good for getting corn and beans in the ground, but it's good for getting this, you know, alfalfa and yeah. wheat kind of coming back out of this. We got some of those pounding grains a couple times, but we've also had some more slow Slow soaker. So technically green, today, so. as of yesterday, we are in a D zero drought. Abnormally <laughs> dry. Is out of like out of in south and then when you get to Fond du Lac in south, they're in a D one. So yeah, we've moved out of the D one into we're at Defcon Zero. <laughs> Defcon zero. But you get north of out of County, like twenty nine and above, and they're not in it. At all, they're a zero. They're a none, not a zero. Which is interesting because when I think about last year, last summer, how much drier like Gillette in some of that area was. Like they were, it, I, but it, I, I think they had a lot more snow than we did. Right, and that so I think that's so what's they, helping. Yeah, they had they made up for it a lot up there. Yeah, the snow. Yeah. One one thing to for all the listeners to watch, and that's what kind of spawned the interest in this is. Look at where a big snow pile was. I noticed at my kid's school one day dropping off is where the big snow pile was. All of that grass underneath is actually pretty green. And then like snow fences too, like along any snow fences, if, sure. if you've got plant tissue Anywhere to look at. accumulate a little heavier. Right. And, it, and that's what kind of Max's point of this, the moisture then from that melting snow almost seemed to kind of but is it any of the obviously protected from being windblown because there was snow covering it all year and all these other things so yeah. it i you know this isn't groundbreaking stuff but snow cover is good for winter yes <laughs> i know i'm just i'm really intelligent you can tell because i said something like that but like we're if you ever needed a good diagram of why it's important just go out and look right now but and look at like all the snow fences are gone now. Yep. Like the posts are still there because you can't get them out of the ground, but it looks like the county's taking all the snow fences down, and it, those are perfect. Yeah, there's a green there. strip right along the. Yeah. No wonder we got snow. They took the snow fences yeah. down. <laughs> Leave them up till. Quick, take the plows off. <laughs> then we'll get even more. 
All right, so quick poll. What do you guys think out of these four quick poll, quick was poll. the most likely problem or maybe the the most detriment? You know, obviously there's interaction between all four, but which one's the biggest problem? Bill, go. Can I say two? Sure. Like a compounding effect? All right. I think the wind and the sand. Matt, what do you think? I also, I, I have two, and I think it's the wind and the dehydration. I think it was a little both. Max? I am going to go more than two. Ooh. I'm going to go three out of four. <laughs> I'm not going to say the static electricity because I don't I know enough to say that that's what it is. But, like, I just think about even when we planted it, when it started coming out of the ground, it already was the wrong color because it was too dry. So I know it's dehydrated. Sandblasted, it doesn't take a genius to figure that out. And if it, you're getting sandblasted, you got to take the wind blown with that, too, because you're getting the wind. So Yeah, I guess I don't even consider those two different things. Like Yeah, they kind of go together. Only well, maybe it's different from the standpoint of what your soil type is. Sure. Yeah, if you have like the blow sand, blow sand is different than just seeing soil getting stirred around. It's a lot more coarse. Todd, I, I'm I'm with all you guys. It's a, it's a multiple thing. Obviously, it's not one. And I do agree that this does show how important snow cover is. That we we know this. When we talk winter kill, a lot has to do with snow cover or not, and not always the temperatures. And so we'll see how the, coming out of winter, I would say it always seems to help having dry feet going into winter. Yep. So it'll be interesting if we were too dry, but it just seemed like we were the right amount of dry to still be okay and make it through. So, Do you, th- do you think some remedy to help like our covers and, and our fall-seeded grains like wheat maybe is to try to plant it earlier so that there is more foliage that protects the ground a little bit better? Or are we just inevitably going to have this? Well, we know planting early. It's hard because planting earlier, we already know it does better, right? If you read any right. any yeah. of the wheat research, they're like, the earlier you can get it in, the better off it's going to be. But is there a law of diminishing returns there somewhere? Well, a lot of it comes down to even if you plant earlier but you don't have adequate moisture, you're not going to get good germination and it's not going to matter. So you, it's always got to be a kind of a combination. So really the moisture, you know, we come through, we typically expect July to be dry into August that maybe we'll start getting some, some rains, hopefully when we're if we're doing fall seedings. But September, silage season, that seems to be when we really get wet and this last year we didn't have that there issue. Was some, but it was not, some, but not not like there. Nobody was like, "Oh, we're not gonna be able to get in the fields." Uh, it was like, carts, "Oh, uh, we're not gonna be able to get in the fields today, but we'll probably be able to get back at it tomorrow or the day after." I so even, I don't even know if we had day delays. We had like or not yeah, the first partial couple hours. Even, like, yeah. like we we have to wait till ten o'clock or something to start. Uh, or shocks. We it. made all our silage in three days this year. That was just terrible. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and then the last thing that we will have our first GDU update of the year right Whoa. now. So we're we're going into that. Of, hey, yo, where's the where's oh, the? I got to get the horn. I'm not even ready horn? for it. I'm so uh, ready for the GDU the spring training. training. Yeah, spring, spring training. training. Okay. <laughs> I can see the dust flying out of that yeah. baby. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to use base forty GDUs. So we have if we're doing a base fifty GDU, it's zero. <laughs> so it's not corn growing GDUs. It's sort of what. We, Wait, they, is this wake up GDUs? It's wake up, yes. It's like your tulips are going to start to right. get going. Wake up, wheat and alfalfa. 
So this is a shout out to Bob Saget. Yeah, R.I.P. <laughs> Bob Saget. Good morning, Wheaton Alfalfa. So this is from January 1st to April 1st. And in 2022, we've had 37 GDUs so far. 2021, we were at 111. Yeah. So that's another big part is people saying like, oh, it feels like a late spring. Well, I think it's just a recency thing of how early last year sort of felt. Yeah. yeah. And then you look back, 2020 was 29, 2019, 27, 2018, 31. So we're actually still slightly above average. We're kind of right around normal. Yeah. And that makes sense. And these GDUs are the weirdest because when you're starting, it only takes, I mean, literally we got all these GDUs in like three days like three warm days accumulate them. So like in 2021, it probably was like six warm days and that was enough to just throw it all out of whack. So kind of a, in a way, I'd rather to like wake the weed up slowly and it's looking like we're having a year like that, which is good. And the alfalfa too is where we, we don't get a sort of a green up and then it reverts back to being cold. So I think that'll help us actually a lot more than we think this year is it's looking to be a gradual wake up. You know, think of that. It's, it's like waiting, waking the weed up at 6 a.m. And you, you know, you go tell, Hey, it's time to wake up. And you come back in at six 30, like, Nope, you're, you know, like getting our kids up for it's school. Like getting like, our kids yeah. up for school. It's like, Nope, you gotta like, it's, it's time, you know, it's getting a little bit of the warning here. It's not like 6 a.m. Ripping the bed sheets off and like dumping water on his face. So, <laughs> You know, I think that'll bode well for us. So, yeah, we are fairly normal on that side. So, is the wheat and alfalfa dead or not? <laughs> it's all dead. Oh God, no, no. <laughs> Based on these GDU numbers, it's obviously not breaking dormancy. So, there's just no way to tell whether no, it's we need an answer now. Right. Honestly, well, I think it's, it's, it's the thing with like, you know we're talking wheat and alfalfa, but with rye. The snow comes off and it's still green underneath. Yeah, and you're like, oh, like oh, well, the wheat should be waking up. Like, yep. just the difference in in species, even of grasses, can be drastically different. So, gotta, we just got to manage expectations. Even if it was Max, what are you going to do about it right now? We're going to plant corn. Obviously, there's snow in the ground today. You aren't going to fix it. You know what I think is tricky about this question this year is alfalfa is worth not as much as normal, especially compared to corn. So the economics are weird. So we're right. going to be more aggressive in pulling hay fields out. Yep. So we're going to have to know this. Like, like Max says, we need to know it yesterday, and there's we just got to be patient. Okay. So you bring up a really good point because I had this phone call yesterday. All right. We need to decide now on our wheat because corn price is good. Okay. You look at the wheat price lately, hey, right? The, right. right. You looked at the wheat price lately. And for the inputs, you've looked at wheat price lately. And I mean, wheat, wheat, if you already got it in, and the input side, you you <sighs> agreed, Max. Dude, that's a great point. Is I'm talking on the alfalfa side, on the wheat side, it's gonna be, it's gonna have to look really rough so, to pull it out. So I had a phone call yesterday. Like, if that wheat doesn't look like it's 120 bushel, we're pulling it. And I'm like, that's even pretty, 80, you're, you're gonna you're, be yeah. making ching, right? Yeah. 60. <laughs> Anything over 45, I think well, you probably can make money on this year, which is. Mind blowing to say because what's it, went, it at 12, 11, yeah, 1175 or something Jeez. like that. Because normal, because what's normal break even? Like, I, I know Todd, one of the growers well, you work with, seven dollars is like, woo, right? One right. of the growers you work with, Todd, used to tell us that he needed 89 bushel to break even. Like, that's 
that's a pretty high number. Right. We can break even a lot lower than that this year. Just this, think of all the times we, we think of like, oh, we're going to make our money in the straw, not on the green. But this year it's the opposite because I've talked to a lot of guys that aren't going to pull the straw off because yeah, of the potash price. Right. This so, would be the year. And this is the year to take the grain, cut high, and leave residue. Because I've had a farmer ask me too. They said, well, I don't know if we're going to keep our wheat because we don't need the straw. And I said, then don't then just cut the heads off and you know, right. or leave the straw out in the field. That's a good thing. Well, okay, and so yes, I right. agree with you. It's going to give you too, less man. inputs on your up and your following crop. I was, I was talking to one of my growers the other day, and I said, "You guys got straw in the shed yet?" He goes, "We haven't even moved. We're not even low <laughs> enough to get to the straw in the shed yet. We're still pulling from the outdoor pile that we had to make because yep, we had so much, much last fall." Yeah. Yeah. yeah, remember the years where we're we're paying you know buku big bucks, and I right. was like, "Ah, whatever, we don't need it." Yep, I had the conversation too, like. Yeah, the neighbor took a couple loads of straw. I wish you would have taken a couple more. <laughs> like, uh, it's usually see. the opposite. Like, I don't, know, I, I don't have enough to give away. But yeah, currently it's Center Valley wheat. Ah, oh, it's not that high. Eight ninety six. That's it's still that, very that's good. Fall or uh, it's April April twenty twenty. Okay. Yeah, and that's local price. That's local price for right now. Not we're not talking harvest price at this point. No, yeah. the July future is eight is the same eight ninety six. So, but still, we were talking eleven seventy five. That's not that high, but it's high. I mean, eight ninety six is a pretty good number for wheat. Yeah, yeah. it's double what it's we're double used normal. To. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so it's. It's good. I mean, we were sitting. Good. Lo- looked like we were going to hit triple normal <laughs> for a little while there, but you know, it's still it's. A half stand of wheat will go a long way at, About at eight bucks. Two weeks ago, if you had anything in the bin, holy buckets. Yeah. So your tax man was going to be mad at you. <laughs> it's a good problem to have. Yeah. yeah. I'd rather be in that boat than. We don't say we're making money, we say the tax man's going to be angry. <laughs> All right, and we're, we're going to finish this up with our agony of the week. So, can we do that, Matt? Or are you going to let me go out of order? Because if it's. Uh, I don't know. It's the April Fool's joke. <laughs> this is, this <laughs> is the April, April Fool's part. part. It's not a very good one. No, it's not an April Fool's joke. It's not very clever, Todd. Keep the egg idiom out your mouth, Todd. <laughs> Sorry. So, or at least at the end of the show. So our egg idiom of this week is the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. Which, in this case, is the snow fence on the one side. <laughs> the grass is Which actually is. <laughs> yes. Yep. So the meaning is, is basically... Other people's lives always look better than our own and that we should be satisfied, well, that we are not satisfied with what we have and basically it's saying you should be. So the, the coolest part about this idiom is I don't think we've had an idiom this old, and I could be wrong, but it's traced back to 43 B.C. to 17 A.D. So like, oh yeah, so Jesus said this apparently. <laughs> oh, yeah, poetry of... Publius Ovidius Nas Naso. Yeah, Publius, yeah, he's he's my band. Better known as Ovid. Co- Ovid. Ovid, yeah, Ovid. Ovid Pre-COVID, <laughs> yeah. And he apparently said it, and his it was because the, the harvest is always more pr- fruitful in another man's fields. Oh, you mean his. fertilior segus est elenis semper in agris? Yeah, that that's what my grandpa always used to say. <laughs> Have we had an idiom this old? I don't no, think any I, of them are could be traced back to like that no. age. I didn't realize it was that old. I think the oldest one we probably had was like fifteen hundred. Maybe we didn't. Did we talk about the chamber pots? Was that one of the ones we did? Maybe not. Remember. What's the chamber pots idiom? <laughs> it's actually 
be surprising that there wouldn't be more in that that kind of time period. Right. Right. Yeah. All right. So there you go. Is your wheat and alfalfa dead? We don't know yet. Stay. Be patient. There's going to be plenty of opportunity. We're not like we're going to be planting tomorrow. So we've got to manage expectations and keep an eye on the crops as they wake out of dormancy. Next, we'll move into our spotlight. All right, in our spotlight for today, AgSource gains Agronomy Lab and brand update. So, as we found out about a week or two ago, that AgSource purchased or acquired, I guess is the verbiage used in that realm, Dairyland Laboratories Agronomy Services Division in Stratford, Wisconsin. So effective March 23rd, all soil, plant, tissues, and manure analysis, as well as nutrient management services, switched over to AgSource. So, yeah, a little bit of change for some people. It'll also be different. The AgSource was purchased by this VAS, or the parent company is Eurus, and they were going by this new name, Voss, and now they're back to the old AgSource name. So we'll have to, which I we just, were, we, I don't, wasn't. I just figured out how to send emails just, to Voss to that egg source. <laughs> now they're going back. Look who's back. <laughs> egg source back. Back again. Tell a friend. So yeah, interesting to, to see, you know, I, I felt like this kind of came out of nowhere. Like I, I, there wasn't, it's not like when it wasn't the, like chatter. It wasn't like a thing like no. oh, rumors even kind of got started. It was just like one day it was like, Hey. Eggsource just bought Dairyland. Okay. Remember how much time we spent talking about the co-op that was going to be bought out yeah. here? Oh, like yeah. Like that, that was yeah, that six months for, in the yeah. pipe and went on forever. And this was like... Stealth. All of a sudden, one day, they're like, hey, we're no longer uh, we're no longer Dairyland. We're now Eggsource. Here you go. It's... You wonder... Five years ago? More than that, because we were just talking about... The Eggsource sold their feed division to Dairyland. Mm-hmm. And then now they've flip-flopped back and Dairyland sold their... Soil division, if you want to call it that, right, to egg source. Source, yeah. And Dairyland will still continue all the feed analysis, all of that normal stuff they were doing in Arcadia, I believe, will, yeah, from what they've said, is going to stay normal. So that'll be just interesting that they've kind of, one's going to focus on the soil side more and one's focusing on the feed side more. Yeah, it was strictly like the Stratford, because we have that De Pere Dairyland, too, that yep. stayed Dairyland, so it's just... The Stratford Agronomy Operations, and that's not that uh, they barely built that lab. How old is that lab in Stratford? It's older. Oh, in Stratford, I yeah. don't know. But it that was, was like two it was, years ago. It's been built since I was working here. So yeah, okay. less but, than six years. But ago. it's brand new soil lab is what Egg Source is buying. So it, yeah, interesting. See, so have you any of you guys toured that lab in Stratford? No, nope. Not been that we'll check her out. We did the Arcadia one. Yeah, eons ago. I've toured the Bondwell lab. Yeah. <laughs> way, way back in the before I, time. <laughs> way, way back in the before time. Back when Bill was just a little young, little young agronomist headed over to Arcadia. <laughs> All right, now we'll move into our egg history minute for today. That banjo. So we'll talk about the history of Bill Schomburg. No, 
<laughs> no, absolutely not. Barbara McClintock. All right. Barbara McClintock was an American scientist and cytogeneticist who was awarded the 1983 Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine. McClintock received her Ph.D. in Botany from Cornell University in 1927. There, she started her career as the leader in development of maize cytogenetics, the focus on her research for the rest of her life. From the late 20s, McClintock studied chromosomes and how they changed during reproduction in maize. She developed the technique for visualizing maize chromosomes and used microscopic analysis to determine many fundamental genetic ideas. One of those ideas was the notion of genetic recombination by crossing over during meiosis, a mechanism by which chromosomes exchange information. She produced the first genetic map for maize, linking regions of the chromosomes to physical traits. She demonstrated the role of the telomere and centromere, regions of the chromosome that are important in the conservation of genetic information. She was recognized as among the best in her field, awarded prestigious fellowships, and elected a member of the National Academy of Sciences in 1944. So she is one of the very good reasons we have traded corn. She, she won the Nobel Prize, what is that? At almost 60, yeah. Six, no, no, 60 years after she graduated, so she would have been 80. Right. Holy buckets. That's a long time. That's a long time of like just focusing on corn, like corn breeding to figure. Like what she figured out there is just amazing too. That the crossing over thing. This is like back to old school seventh grade science. Yeah, that, like, I was gonna say you learned this in seventh yes, grade. Yes, th- that, that is why this is on here is because my wife is a seventh grade science teacher and she was. We were talking about this mechanism, and she had a whole whole thing figured out. I remember, out I remember drawing the meiosis yeah, and She was mitosis, breeding yeah. pigeons, and then this this oh. lady came up of how she figured out this crossing over thing, and it was it was crazy. So it's... Yeah, she was 81 in 1983, and she died in 1992. So she lived to be pretty old. So when she graduated from college in 1927... She, her degree or her whatever was botany. What do you think it would have been today? Because it wouldn't yeah, be botany. Right, you're right. It would what be you, some sort what of you, genetic system. You, yeah. Some, yeah, um, yeah, you're right. Or she got a she got an agronomy degree from probably be genetic Madison. engineering or something yeah, like that would be. at this point. Yeah. Biological systems. But that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, technologically where we've, we've made it in the last hundred and like, do you, some years. Do you even hear the word botany anymore? Like who... Yeah, I well, mean, we had botany classes yet, but like, I, okay, but we're in such was, a minority of people who would even well, like no, use that word. Botany was more like just general plant. Oh, Bill's right? gonna hate this, but like, I learned way more in my botany oh, classes. I hate botany, but I had like one of the best botany professors ever. Like, he was awesome, and he would literally tell you where the herbicide could kill. Like, you know, he'd draw this whole pathway of. Of what sure, the plant's doing, through, yeah. and then he'd be like, "Yep, two forty kills it here," and you know, <laughs> it was awesome. It, he, yeah, he was just wild, like what he knew of. So I didn't. I never had a botany through. class, right? It's, and, and botany, like at least at oh, the, Madison, where Todd and I went, my botany class was just a mix of every was, kind of. It wasn't agronomy people. It wasn't egg people. It was, it was just yeah. So I had plant science yeah. class. We right. didn't have botany class. We had plant science, sure. and that's. 
Right, yeah, botany, right. Or botany, plant biology. Like the or, botany yeah. building isn't even on the egg part no. of campus. It's at the top of, you know, right at the right at the top of the hill, right, right next there to Abe Lincoln. There are more plants than, than row, row crops. Yeah, right, right. You're what? wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong, Matt. You take that back. I'm sure there were probably a number of horticulture students. <laughs> just a, yeah, just a terrible yeah. April Fool's joke, Matt. <laughs> Tell me there's more than just row crops. Get out of here. <laughs> All right, it's that time again where we ask you to tell a farmer friend about our podcast. Please tell that farmer friend to subscribe. So hopefully when you're down at the farm show and they're like, hey, what you been up to through COVID? And you're like, ah, nothing much, but I do listen to this podcast sometime. And he's going to say, "How? what's a podcast? And you say, well, it's like radio on your phone. It's great. You have your phone with you. It's right there. You On your Apple phone, you go to Apple Podcasts on your iPhone Search Tilt Talk Radio, and on your Android phone, you can use Podcast Addict, Podbean, or Player FM apps to download. And we, you can listen on a smartphone or computer browser. Go to tiltag.com slash podcast. We're also available now on Amazon Music. So on your smart speaker, you can listen to us there as well. And you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Tilt Talk Radio. All right, now we'll wrap things up with some cool beans. That's corny and current events. So, cool beans, cool beans, cool beans, cool beans, cool beans. Our cool beans this week. The EPA has lifted 2022 Enlist One Enlist Duo herbicide restrictions in 134 counties. So, farmers in these formerly restricted counties, uh, due to the Endangered Species Act, may now access those technologies. So it's good news for those farmers. They have a technology available that previously was not. The counties, um, that are there are still some counties you cannot uh, spray the Enlist products. And they are in Arizona, Colorado, Florida, Tennessee, and South Central Texas. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I didn't know that there was counties that weren't allowing on Enlist. No. Like, I knew, like, Fexapan and some of those, like, were had restrictions. I didn't think Enlist really did. And this, the more you read about it, it was because of the American Burying Beetle and Eastern Masuga Rattlesnake. That, but it had to do with these two protected species yep. and their habitats. So, obviously, it's, it didn't seem like it was the species, you know, it wasn't harming the species, it was harming their habitat or something like that. So, yeah, it looks like that's what, I didn't know that either, Max, you're right. I didn't know that there wasn't a bunch of areas that you could have. a more robust environmental study around those two habitats, I bet. Yep. Oh, good verbiage. You've been listening to a lot of press conferences lately, (laughs) haven't you, Bill? Yep. Yeah, the counties were located in Arizona, Colorado, Florida, Tennessee, and Texas. So now those those areas will be able to spray. Man, it, first it, you got to deal with rattlesnakes, it? and then you can't spray things to kill your weeds. Can you imagine, Todd? That's where it's, you can't yet. There's 40 counties in those states. You you read I, I, you read exactly what I read before. I read wrong. this earlier, and I was like, oh, those are where they lifted it. Is what I read it as, so I read it wrong. Apparently, the first time too, like yeah, it, it says, was like counties still remain where farmers cannot apply and list due. So to where did they open it? That's what I never. I was reading that to find out where. Yeah, there were can now. apparently other areas, probably okay. in those same. It, okay. it probably is in the same states. There are areas that you can, but got it. But that is saying where you still can't. Okay. You still have. 
Hey, Wisconsin's not on there, so... <laughs> yep, we're good. We're everybody, good up here. We don't everybody have, at this table knows we're in good shape. Considering neither none of us have probably heard of those two animals before today. <laughs> no. Or that insect and that rattlesnake. Uh, I think we're good, so... I'm, I'm kind of curious to find out more about the American burying beetle. Like, what does it bury? Obviously, it, it lives here. Bears in Americans? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Is it like... It's common to cemeteries or I thought you said berry beetle you did kind of sound like you said berry at yeah. first yeah. the American berry beetle burying yes Okay. alright now we'll move into our that's corny for today and that is Iowa cancels their live bird exhibitions as highly pathogenic avian influenza spreads so I think we feel like we just talked about this not too long ago. Yep. Uh, and it continues to be an issue. Nation's biggest egg producer is on high alert as avian influenza continues to spread throughout the state of Iowa uh, since its first in its first significant return to the state since 2015. Iowa Department of Ag and Land Stewardship announced cancellation of all live bird exhibitions at fairs and other gathering, gatherings as of March 23rd. So... It will last a minimum of 30 days, and it will last until 30 days has passed without confirmation of a new infection. So, yeah, it, at least a month it could go all year, potentially, if they keep getting new infections. So, see what happens there. Just have to bring your eggs, I guess, to the fair instead of your chicken. Maybe they can do egg judging contests. Is that a thing even? I don't know. I've never showed chickens. I didn't. Fair. I didn't think they did anything other than fairs for chicken shows. But according to this, there there must be more. Which is yeah, cool. Yeah. I guess. Well, I'm sure there's probably chicken associations that have. Hey, there is events. There and is. Stuff I and, actually. Yep. Yeah. I got a got a little, little little guy coaching wrestling. He's big on the on the bird shows. He's he's educated me a lot on birds. So I don't think he listens, but if he does, <laughs> what kind of birds is he? He show? does a lot, like turkeys, chickens, ducks, geese. He's got the whole. He's the whole funny farm. Yeah, of he's he's avians. Yeah. He gave me a he gave me a dozen eggs and different shapes, sizes, colors. It was pretty wild. Dozen eggs. I'm not gonna lie to you. See, did he, did he, ostriches? Yeah, no, he does not have one of those. Did he ask think. you to identify the bird no. based on the egg? No, thank God. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. The, I mean, size would probably be the biggest factor that you could kind of go but, by, but even that, I don't chickens know. Chickens are be. so varying in size, like shape. size, shape, color. Yeah. yeah, get a good double yoker from a chicken, and those could be pretty, pretty big oblong objects. All right, that'll do it for this week. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having us, Matt. So this week we talked about wheat and alfalfa, why they might look a little funny coming out of their winter dormancy. In our spotlight, we looked at the egg source purchase of Dairyland Agronomy Services in Stratford. Our egg history minute was Barbara McClintock and the role she played in corn traits. <clears throat> cool beans, that's corny, was enlist herbicide restrictions lifted in several counties that were previously prohibited. And the bird flu continues to cause problems in Iowa. So thanks for listening, and as always, happy farming.